Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Some of you who were here last week remember this portion of Scripture because this is the same portion of Scripture that we spoke from from last week. Last week we talked about the account of the rich man and Lazarus. We heard last week about their eternal destiny. And this week we're going to kind of focus in towards the end of our message upon the five brothers of the rich man. Reading to you from verse 19, it says this, of Luke chapter 16, verse 19. It says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abram's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away, with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, Remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, Send Lazarus to my family, for I have brothers, five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We pray that your word would find a good place within our hearts. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through his word and that he would accomplish the purpose for which his word was sent. And we'll thank you for that. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the rich man has come, from our message last week, we realize this, that the rich man has come to a point of understanding. The truth is very clear to him that his fate is sealed. There is no way, absolutely no way, that he can escape the torment that he is in. Nothing will change that. His doom is sealed. It's already settled. There's nothing, no amount of crying, no amount of begging, no amount of pleading, no amount of of apologizing will change the rich man's fate. There will never, listen to me, the rich man came to a point of understanding that there will never, ever, 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 ever be any relief for him. This will be his eternal destination in Hades. Until the great white throne judgment, when death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire, it will not get any better 
It will only get worse for him. It's plainly clear to him that it will be fruitless to fight because no matter what he would do, he cannot change anything about his future or his state. It is sealed. Okay? And that's the point that the rich man comes to. He he said, can Lazarus come and just dip his finger? He's like, no, he can't. He can't do that. His fate is sealed. Abraham reminds the rich man that in his lifetime, he received good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now Lazarus is comforted, while the rich man is in agony. The rich man, he lived for himself. He lived for pleasure. He lived for the moment. Whatever was there, he grabbed whatever he could. He didn't withhold back anything from himself. His life was comfortable. He did what he wanted to do. His focus was upon self and the things that brought him pleasure in this world. And so the rich man received all of the good things that he was going to ever receive. He received them in this life. He wanted them so bad. He pursued them so desperately that all of the good things that he was ever going to receive were received in this life. And that's what Abraham says to him. You lived in luxury. You were feasting every day. You had everything that you could ever want or imagine. Whatever pleasure you desired, you took. That's what Abraham says to him. Now the problem was not that he was rich. For many godly biblical characters were blessed. For example, Abraham. The problem was he valued the pleasures of this life more than he valued God in his word, his commands. The rich man had lived for the good things of earth, and he had experienced abundant temporal blessings. Did you notice the word that I used before blessings? Temporal. They're momentary. In the scope of eternity, they last a very short period of time they have a date in which they will no longer be fresh you know when you go to the grocery store you buy your milk and it says sell by you buy your bread and there's an expiration date well friends the blessings of this life have an expiration date they are temporal according to scripture our life is but a vapor it here today it's like the grass of the field it's here today and tomorrow it's gone He had his reward. He had determined his own destiny by leaving God out of his life. And now, neither his character nor his destiny could be changed. What you pursue with your life, when you are self-centered, it says something about your character. When you pursue pleasure, it says something about your character. And at this point in this man's life, there was a point where... His character could be changed. There was a point where his eternal destiny could be changed. But now he's at a place where that can never be changed. Now, compare the rich man to Lazarus. Lazarus suffered in this life. Lazarus knew pain. Lazarus knew rejection and loss. 
He laid at the rich man's gate, starving for the crumbs that would fall from his table. I'm sure that it had to be embarrassing to lay there and and just depend upon the generosity of strangers to support you and, and to provide for you. He begged at the rich man's gate. He knew suffering and pain and rejection. But now he's comforted. This portion of scripture is a great encouragement to all of those who in this life experience pain or suffering. To those who deny themselves in order to please the Lord. Those of you who are going through physical pain, this portion of scripture should be great encouragement to you. Those of you who have experienced rejection or heartbreak, this portion of scripture should be a great encouragement for you. Those of you who are denying yourself to please the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you ever ever like deny yourself and you're looking around and you see all the ungodly and how they're prospering and you're just like, God, is this worth it? The psalmist wrote, he said that the ungodly are so blessed. He said, my foot almost slipped. I almost fell. When I looked at the ungodly and I saw their prosperity, they were so blessed, their eyes were bulging from fatness. And there's moments in time where you and I wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it serving the Lord? Is it worth it being obedient to the word of the Lord? Is it worth it doing the right thing? Is it worth it denying myself? Why don't I just do what pleases me? Lazarus is a great example for those who hold out. There's a time when your sorrow will cease. There is a time when suffering will end. There is a time when the fight will be over. There is a time when the battle will be won. There is a time when you will receive your reward for obedience. I want to ask you this. Are you looking for that day? Maybe you didn't hear me. I I might. Are you looking for that day when you receive your reward for your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? When you say this suffering, when you've patiently endured hardship and suffering and you're able to say it's over and you're able to hear the Lord say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. When he pats you on the back and he says, I was rooting for you. There's a day coming where all of these battles and this suffering is going to cease. It's going to be over. For Lazarus, we don't know how old he was. He may have been 40 or 50. You know, back then people didn't live as long. Maybe he was 60 years old. Maybe he was 70. But there came a day when those 70 years were over. Whatever age he was that he entered into eternity. And the battle was done. If you're not looking for that day when you receive the reward, for that better day. Can I encourage you, I had to do this myself as I was preparing this message, to take a personal inventory. You may want to diversify what you are investing in. Because if you're not looking for that day, when you receive that eternal reward, when this life is over, if you are not looking for that day, you may be too invested In this temporal life, if you don't get a little bit excited about that day, my concern is we're investing way too much in this temporal life that's soon going to pass. It's not going to last forever. But if you and I are rightly diversified, you see, everything that we're investing in this world is one day going to burn up 
and be destroyed. But those things that we've invested for eternity, no one can ever touch them. No one can ever take them away. A downturn in the stock market does not affect them. It doesn't matter who's elected president. And the housing market is not affected in heaven by what's going on in politics around the world. For the past, I believe, 27 or 28 years, I've been storing up for myself. I I sat and I wrote this, and my, my spirit just began to rejoice. Past 27 or 28 years, I've been storing up for myself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, I got a nice house here. I've been blessed. I remember when we moved up into this area, our former house, the first neighborhood we drove through was that neighborhood. And I remember thinking, man, I'd give my teeth. I mean, I'd give my eye teeth to be able to live in this neighborhood. But God's blessed us with a nice house. But can I tell you what? It can't compare. I live in a shack. I live in the ghetto. I live in the hood. I am impoverished compared to the place that God is preparing for me. Do you hear me? The the neighborhood that I live in, even though I'm glad to live there, it is the slums. It cannot possibly compare to the place that the Father is preparing for me. He's preparing a place for me. He's preparing a place for you. And we have been storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven that will never, ever be able to be stolen from us or taken away. Friend, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither, listen to this, what the word of God says, neither has it entered into the hearts of men. It's not even possible for you and I to fathom the things that God has prepared for those who love him. I want you to hear this, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write it down in the back of your Bible. Every sacrifice that I make here, Every time I deny myself, every time I say no to selfishness and to self-centeredness, everything that I give up for the kingdom of God is going into an account up there. Do you hear that? Every single thing that I do for God here, everything that I give up here is being stored up for me up there. Now, can someone say hallelujah? Here's the thing. You may be investing in the wrong place. If someone told you that under your house is a gas supply, like we have up and up around where Mark's from, if someone said, you know, your one acre lot is worth $3 million in gas, I bet you you'd be doing a dance and singing. He'd go in that afternoon. I quit my job. You take that truck. Huh? Some of those especially hard weeks, you've had them. Let me say what I said to you again. Every sacrifice that I make here is going into my account up there. Every time I say no to my flesh, everything I do for the kingdom of God, I'm storing up for myself treasures in heaven. Some of those especially hard weeks, the father says, give that boy a bonus. Pay him double time. Pay him triple time. Quadruple what he normally gets. Give that boy a bonus. Those difficult weeks when you and I think we cannot go on, those are days where God is storing up for us treasures that are in heaven that will never be taken from us. Now let's look back at our text and see what the rich man says to Moses 
after he's realized his eternal state is sealed, he answered, he said, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let him listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. The rich man asked another request of Abraham. In fact, he begs him. Send Lazarus to my five brothers and warn them, I don't want them to come to this place. The idea that people think that hell is going to be a place where they party and that all their friends are there is an absolute false lie. There is no truth to that. This rich man says, please warn my brothers. I don't want them to come here. Obviously, he is concerned about them and he's concerned about the direction of their lives. Perhaps they were living in such a way that would lead them to the same destination his choices had led him. And listen to what Abraham says. Abraham says they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They have the law. They have God's standard for righteous living for his people. And they have a prophetic word. Let them listen to them. They've been given what they need to escape the judgment. The rich man, knowing his family, he must have knew that they were hard-hearted. said, no, he said, if you send someone back to him, someone who's risen from the dead, if you do something supernatural, that will catch their attention and they'll repent. If they see Lazarus back from the dead, they'll repent. And Abraham said, in essence, if their hearts are so hard that they refuse to listen to the word of God, to Moses and the prophets, then they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Just a side note. Another guy named Lazarus rose from the dead. And instead of repenting, the religious leaders wanted to kill him. Do you know that? Instead of everybody running and falling down and believing upon Jesus, there were many people who wanted to kill Lazarus as a result of this. So it shows you that even someone rising from the dead will not convince many. We recognize that Jesus rose from the dead. And yet many rejected him. These five brothers were in a very dangerous position, like many in our world today. They had hardened their hearts to the word of the Lord. And you know, miracles are cool. Signs and wonders are cool. They testify. But Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce asunder the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. It reveals things. And everything is laid bare for God. The word of God, see, we need to get back to this incredible honoring of the word of God. See, because the word of God will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. The word of God, sometimes we think we got to make a show, we got to do this or that. The word of God will convict people of sin and of judgment. We must get the word of God out there. We must get the word, and not a water, we need to give them truly the word. 
not just someone's good talk, and not just a good sermon, but people need to be hearing the word of God. How does faith come in our lives? It comes by hearing the word. And what blows my mind is why is the church oftentimes very weak and, and anemic? Because people go for long periods of time without the word. How can we grow? How can we be nourished? How can we be fruitful? And why are people able to live in sin and disobedience? Because they've hardened their hearts to the word of God. What you'll see is when people start slipping, they don't want to hear the word anymore. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to read it. Because when you read it, you're confronted with it. You're confronted with the truth. And the crazy thing is, the Holy Spirit is always right on time. When you're honestly trying to seek the Lord, when you open up his word, what will happen is oftentimes the verses of scripture that you read will be the exact verses that you needed to hear. And it's like, we turn the chain. I don't like that page and something else. We had a discussion at our house about loving each other as a family and things like that. And we turned to 1 Corinthians 13 and Logan read it for us. And what we had her do is put each of our names in there. Well, she kind of did it. She says, Landon is patient. Landon is kind. Landon does not envy. Landon does not boast. Landon is not proud. Landon is not rude. Landon is not self-seeking. Landon is not easily angered. Landon keeps no records of wrong. Landon doesn't rejoice in the evil, but rejoices in the truth. Landon always protects. Landon always trusts. Landon always perseveres. Landon never fails. Then she said, Mom is patient. Mom is kind. And when she put, Dad is patient. Dad is kind. You know what? The Holy Spirit came in that room and convicted each of us. I'm not always patient. I'm not always kind. Before, sometimes we're looking and we're pointing fingers at each other. And when we start looking at the word of God, there wasn't no shame. There wasn't any embarrassment. There was just this sense of, you got me, Holy Spirit. We all need to work on it. Dad's kind. Dad's not easily angered. Dad keeps no records of wrongs. Oh, man. See, the word of God will accomplish the purposes for which it was sent. If you don't give any time to it, it's going to be very hard for that to take place. We need to honor the word of God in our families. Any way that possible that we can get the word of God into the ears of our children, of our loved ones. Anytime you get a chance, you don't have to break out your Bible, but you know what? What's the problem if you do? It was a really neat thing the other night when we just sat down and we read, well, what is love? It's patient. Dad's patient. Dad's kind. Huh. Let me explain this something to you. There's no hope. There's no hope in this life or the life to come for the man or the woman who rejects the word of the Lord. If they continually reject the word of the Lord, these five brothers would end up in the same place as their older brother. I want to speak just a minute about the prophetic. There's a danger today that people, they hear what they want to hear. They close their ears. I don't really agree with what so-and-so said about that. And they cross their arms. I don't know that I really need to. And the word of God clearly says that you need to. They come up with excuses why the word of God does not apply to them. Why they are exempt. There's a misunderstanding why it's okay for them to go ahead and, you know, you can fill in the blank. Okay? 
And what they're doing is they are rejecting the word of the Lord. They're rejecting Moses, the law. Okay? They're rejecting God's commands. And then the prophets, a prophetic voice. See, I believe this. I believe that God sends a prophetic voice to warn his people. I believe that it happens all the time. And we have people in the body who are used in words of knowledge or prophecy, tongues and interpretation. Those are biblical gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given for the building up of the body, okay, by the Spirit as he wills. But there's also a prophetic voice that comes from the preaching of the word. And when the word of God is declared, it's oftentimes, it's a prophetic voice crying out to people, sending words of warning. And if you harden your heart to a prophetic word, you are rejecting the voice of God. And you know, I just believe with all my heart, I believe that some of the messages that we have been hearing lately have been a prophetic. When I saw that, they have the law and they have Moses and the prophets. And I thought some of the messages we've been hearing lately, they are a prophetic voice. It's a word of warning. It's a calling to God's people. It's a clarion call. It's sounding the trumpet. And if they don't listen, if they won't listen to a prophetic word, whether it be a gift of the Spirit, the declaration of God's word in a prophetic way, words of knowledge, whatever it is, if they will not listen to a prophetic voice, then even if they saw someone be raised from the dead, Abraham says that would not be enough. They would find some way to excuse it. They would find some way to push it away. They would find some way to deny it. Okay? That's the danger that we see today. If people keep rejecting the word of the Lord, saying it doesn't apply to them, that they are exempt, if they continue to turn away the voice and close out a prophetic voice of warning, a voice of admonition, if they continue to do that, then God will eventually, if they don't turn, then their doom is sealed. If they don't turn from their sin, if they don't hear God's call and repent, it's just a matter of time. How does this apply to us? Well, my prayer for us is that you and I will have a great reverence for the word of the Lord, that we will be attentive to his word, that we will hold high his word, that whatever his word says, that we won't make excuses as why it's okay for me, that we won't make the word as if it's outdated and now it's okay. You know, back then it wasn't okay. Now it's okay. Somehow I have special exemption to disobey what God's word says but that we hold tightly to his word. The second thing is, from time to time, many of us get in places of danger. It's through the drifting, just in this life. It's not necessarily that someone purposely goes out and says, I want to drift away from God and from his standards and from his will for my life. But sometimes it's almost like you're, if you've ever been out in a boat, you know, you're kind of sitting there and before you know it, you just start drifting. And you're out on a lake, and it's not much moving water, but it seems like you're drifting, and you've gone a long distance from where you were supposed to be. And in those times that you'll be willing, and that you 
cherish the prophetic voice. That when God brings a voice, a word of correction, when he brings a word of guidance, whenever, and it doesn't matter who he uses. Some people want, they feel like, well, God, you know, they'll hear a message and you know, Lord, I know I'm supposed to quit. You fill in the blank. But if you send someone to me and they look me square in the eye and they say to me, I know where you were Tuesday, then I'll repent. I know what you did last summer, two summers ago, three years ago. Then I'll repent. No, that we have a heart that will listen. And then the other thing I want you to pray, I would like you as a church that we would pray that the word of God, that every week, actually every day, that we would pray, God, let your word go forth with boldness. Remember the Apostle Paul's prayer. That Lord, don't let, I'm a paraphrase, but let your word go forth with boldness. Don't let anything stop people from hearing the word of the Lord. Don't let anything distract them from hearing the word of the Lord. Because the word of God will change their lives. And if they don't hear the word of the Lord, even if people rise from the dead, they'll be like, yeah, it's a scam. Yeah, right. Yeah. Why? Because their hearts are hardened. My prayer for us is that we'll hear. And when the Holy Spirit sends a prophetic word to you, that he's doing it not because he's mad at you or he's angry with you, but because he passionately loves you. Because you're of value, you're of great worth before him. Hear the word of the Lord. And the funny thing is, is the people who hear the word of the Lord find out that he speaks a whole lot more than what they realize. And when you close your ears to one or two things, oftentimes we struggle to hear the voice of the Lord in many other areas as well. We think that, well, I can close him out in this area. Hey, I didn't hear what you said. Uh, I don't think you really meant it. Well, let's talk about that one later. I'll give another $10 in the offering. Let's talk about that later. And he's speaking to us, and we come to a place where we can't hear. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would put upon our hearts the ability to hear the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would send your word, that it would not be hindered, that it would not be interrupted, that the word of the Lord would grow, that it would be very clear and concise. I pray, God, that your word would go out through New Holland, your word would go throughout our surrounding community, and I pray, God, it would accomplish the purposes for which it was sent. Lord, I pray that you would never shut the mouth of the prophets, but God, I pray that you would raise up prophets, those with a prophetic voice, who will declare, thus says the Lord, with boldness and with confidence. Lord, that they will be willing to step out in faith as you prompt them, as you put the words in their mouth, that they would speak your word with boldness and with clarity. And God, I pray for those either within our church body or within our families and surrounding communities whose hearts are hardened at this moment to the word of the Lord. God, I pray that your word would be like a hammer. And it would break. It would break that hard shell of their hearts. God, I pray it would be like an arrow and it would pierce the very core of their being. And I pray that your word would accomplish the purposes for which it was sent. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.